Hi, my name is Joe Jackson. I'm a journalist, author, interviewer, and broadcaster. One of my recent podcasts was called Soul Searching with Christy Dignam. The Soul Searching label is usually one I prefer to apply to print interviews rather than radio, but I used it for the Christy podcast because even during a radio show about the music that influenced the guy, he touched on two highly sensitive subjects that were interlinked. What subjects? Well... Let me put it the way the strap writer did for our 2004 Sunday Independent interview. It said, Christy Dignam took more than a decade to break free from the powerful grip of heroin and finally confront his long-suppressed feelings about being raped as a boy. In his biography, this is Christy Dignam, the singer-songwriter from Maslan, tells with remarkable power and candor how he got his career back on track and made amends to his family. But here's the thing. Although Christie did write with remarkable candor in that bio sections about his rape experience, I don't want to fire in listeners' minds images that are needlessly graphic or trigger memories of fears. So, although I want to remain true to what Dignam told me and what's in the bio and our article, I will fade parts of this podcast. But overall, I hope it will make obvious something that is too often forgotten, namely the fact that an experience as traumatic as rape at a young age can lead later in life to an addiction as lethal as heroin addiction. In the next podcast, we'll look a little more closely at exactly what that heroin addiction involved for Christy Dignam and clarify what he meant when he told me, heroin is Satan's semen. By the way, if you want to read the article I wrote, check joejacksoninterviewer.com. Yeah. But it's it is central. I mean, as I said, there's a there's a drug problem you had, mm. but too often people look at the drug problem and write about the oh, drug problem yeah. and don't absolutely. say, wait now, what yeah. hollow in his heart? The drugs are a symptom of of something deeper, you know. So, but so tell me that you know that kind of that fractured your self esteem, yeah, and you told nobody at the time. It turned me into what I am. Everything, every every thought I have, every word I utter, everything is affected by what happened then. From the day that happened, Joe, I've changed. I've never been the same person since. I remember leaving the house after it happened that day, a man's house. And I went out onto the street and my mates asked me where I was. And I remember saying I was in my house right now. I remember that now as the first lie I've ever told. Right. Six years later. Now I know I've lied before that, obviously. But I remember it as the first lie. I remember feeling, and that thing, I was that disconnection I talked about, yeah. that's the day it happened. That's the moment that happened. Right. You know, I disconnected from them that day because I lied to them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I separate and I've never reconnected to this day. But did you not know. disconnect when the act was being performed, whatever he was doing? Did you no, I'll well, tell you what the buzz was. No, I don't have a problem. Right. With it, right? Basically what happened was, went into this guy, and not this guy lived next door to us, sent me up the van with a bottle of coke, right? So I came back down to the house and when I came back, his door was ajar, right? And, uh, and was this an old, much older guy? Yeah, I was six, he'd have been in his 20s, that's right. right? Okay. So he said, come on in, come in, Chris. So I come in, when I come in, I remember he slammed all the doors, and I remember putting the bolts across, right? So I thought, you know, what's the, I thought it was a leading joke, you know, messing yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Right? Started taking out my clothes. Now, I was frightened, and I didn't really know, and I was afraid, because he was an older bloke, and you know this respect for your elders thing that yeah. you have when you're a kid, yeah. and I, I was just letting him do what he was doing. So he stripped me off, basically. He took the laces down my shoes and tied me to a chair, right? And I remember when he took it out, like, he did, it, he did what he did, right? So, the thing was, I remember, Joe... Well, if he did, 
and you didn't remember, that's where the disconnection started too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff I'm afraid to kind of get in. Okay, yeah. we'll just no, keep... No, not, 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 not here. I'm afraid yeah. in here to get in. Oh, yeah, okay. Right, yeah, so, yeah. so the buzz was, right, this is what's fucked me up as well. I actually felt, a little part of me felt privileged to have been chosen above all my mates. Do you understand? It felt yeah, special, yeah. right? Now, the guilt I, I subsequently felt because I wasn't absolutely horrified by every aspect of what happened to me, that, that there was some part of me actually uh, uh, um, welcomed it happening because I felt, you know, he chose, chose me, not them. And because I felt that and didn't feel absolute revulsion about every aspect of it, I've carried guilt about that. Do you understand what I'm saying, right? All right. Do you understand what right, I'm saying? Yeah, so there was all that carry on, right? But there's another aspect too. Let me ask you the question. But there was another question was... Had I had done that, Joe, maybe. I wouldn't have this disconnection. But the other part of it was, and I've read this about other guys who are abused, there might be a part of them that goes, my first introduction to sex was with a man. Is there a part of me that wants to go back there or try to explore that? Or am I? Is there a part of me that I'm denying? Right. Got some kick out of that. Right. And do I have to explore that later in life? Right. Well, you know what this, I mean? Right? Yeah. Now, that was the first time it happened, Joe, and that was the tamest of all the yeah. things. It happened loads of times after that with this guy, right? With the same guy? Say five, six times right. after, and each time became more intense. Around right? the same age? Yeah, in the next, say, two or three, over the next two or three month period, oh, right, say, right? But what you're saying there about the sexual thing, I remember being with my wife when we first started, like, I lost my virginity to her, actually, you know, like the girl we talked about in the book, yeah. it never actually happened, happen, right? No. But when I did lose me, I remember having sex, and during the act of sex, I was just saying, Look, you're not a queer. Look, you're not a queer. Look, you're, yeah. you're not a queer. Yeah. There was no, no, no such thing as having pleasure and enjoying this act of making love and sorry, sorry, carry yeah. on. It was just, look, you're with a woman. You're, you're, you know, you're having sex. It means you're not a queer. You're, you're always, what age were you then? Say 17, 18. So all the other years, you hadn't known. The questions hung over you. Yeah. Now, see what happened? What, this, this is what this, this is how it really became a, a, big, a bigger problem was. So it stopped after, say, four or five months with him. So I told Novi about it, and as I said, I told a lawyer on the street that day, and that to me was having more of an effect on me as a child than the act of the thing, because I didn't realise the the enormity of what was going on there. I just knew it was, I was very frightened about what was going on, right? But I did feel like a a bit of a bastard for lying to my mates about saying where I was that day, right? So I had this best mate, right? And I told him one day, I said, listen, you know, blah, blah, blah. I told him what had happened, right? So later on, the next day or whatever, he said to me, he said, look, I was talking to me, I was nine at this day, so this would have been three years later. He said, I was talking to uh, my brother, who was, again, we would have been the same age as this guy who had done it initially, right? So when he said, he thinks he can help you with that, right? The man came home, went in about seven o'clock into the scaff, and he brought me up to the bedroom, right? So your man says to me, mate, he said, listen, you go downstairs, he said, I want to talk to you about what happened, you know? The minute my mate left, he, 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 you know? So, he what? He raped me, like he went to full hog, right? Now the thing was, uh, I felt that feeling then, I must be some sort of a prick teaser, you know? Like, how come all, yeah, you know? And, yeah, and I thought yeah. I was leading them on, and you know, so I grew up with all that, what you're talking about there, I had no idea of my sexual uh, orientation, yeah. or what, where I was, or where I was, or what I should, I shouldn't be. But you, you never know? chose to go to guys after that? No, well, right, I'll be honest, and I've never said this, right? I had once, I tried something in a jacks with a bloke in a uh, pub. I had a few drinks on me, and it wasn't okay. me at all. I've never. This is, this, 
this was in my twenties. All right, okay. So I've never actually said it to anybody before. That's for that's for some. But you had to try and just find out for yourself. I had to find out. Yeah. 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 But uh, it wasn't my bag at all, you know. And when you that that time, and I love women. I like when I look at women, I love them. They're gorgeous, you know. But when you what, that time when you didn't tell your mates, was there no chance you would have told your folks? No, because I tell you what happened. For some, he, he told me not to say anything. Do you know what I mean? Right. And I remember the day it happened when he when he put me gave me back my laces. They were all broke from the time, so he tied me to a chair, and uh, like a, a dining room chair. So when he was untying my laces, they, they were all not. So he had to break them to get them off. So I had to put them back in my shoes. So there was only kind of out of four sets of boys. There was only two sets of boys I could yeah, get the laces yeah. into. And when I went in, like I remember my was getting this clatter across the back of the head. She thought I'd have been playing conquerors, you know, the chestnuts yeah, yeah. with my legs. Oh, yeah, it's something yeah. I did do, you know. Yeah, we all did. So, yeah, so, you know, that, and to me then, you know, that was my chance to say, and I didn't, do you know what I mean? All oh, right, right, so okay. I, so, and what about the dad? No. When he came in from work around? I, 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 to be honest, I can't remember why I didn't say it to him. You know, oh, did you have older brothers? I said, no, no, he's the eldest brother. Oh, okay, right. so it's not like you tell an older brother to get down. No, 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 okay. like that. All right. So, but I don't know why. Like I've thought about it, and like there's no, I don't think it's anything to do with my parents. All right. Okay. You know, because they are very approachable and stuff like that. You know, but like my parents are the type of people. If I come home from school, haven't got a clatter off the master, right? I, I remember what uh, in the Patrician Brothers, the man hit me, I was about to be out there and I'd no no, he hit me with a bunch of crazy keys across the face, right? And I went home and told my dad, you know. And my dad gave me a dig, kind of... But it, wasn't that the pattern? You must have deserved it. That's what I'm talking about. So, you know, that's how, so in that sense, it would be hard yeah. to, to, to go to your parent. Like, you know, I couldn't... If I went inside my dad, I was fighting and such and such beat me up. If I felt, you know, um, if I felt... Hard done boy because an older guy beat me up as a kid and I went into my old man and said it to him. He'd give me a dig for fighting. Do you know right, what I mean? Okay. Not give me a dig, but you know. But Jamal was a strong woman. You back to the card in the book that she oh, was she the was. fixer. She was, yeah. And yeah. she did the clothes had to be changed. Yeah. She, 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 she'd she'd come on board. Yeah, it's like she used to change tires. All the kids on their bikes and the road, she just changed the tires. <laughs> I do not think the ball, yeah, I scrape in the book. You know, you know the plastic footballs. Yeah. When you get it, you'd kick it into somebody's garden a torrent win it of course. Yeah. We used to get a knife over the gas cube and he had oh, a melt the yeah, But well, that was my mask yeah, gig. She didn't yeah, have yeah. everybody in the road. Like she was. So the fact that you didn't tell him doesn't really reflect on it. It wasn't a bad relationship. It wasn't that you no, were no. close to them. No, it was nothing to do with and that. And you are close to him. Your, your man are still alive. No? Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. I'm just, yeah, I was just back that way. I think it might have to do with, because of the thing I was saying about me feeling chosen by this guy, oh, that yeah, okay. I didn't want to get him into trouble either. Do you know what I mean? All right, all right. And what about later in life, though? About this? Right. You never want to box this guy. You never want to get right. him going around. Well, listen to this. I'm in the Rutland Centre, right? And uh, we're going through the treatment. And there was a point, it was a six-week six programme. And I remember, nearly to, the, to a man in there, at about four weeks, people would have this moment of clarity, this, the dumb, when it all come out, you know, and he'd bawl their eyes out, and all of a sudden, the next day, you could see them glowing, you know, and these were alcoholics and stuff. Yeah. And... I wasn't getting it. And I was always one, like I say, one particular guy, his father was an alcoholic. He used to knock the shit out of him every Friday. And then his father got cancer and he used to have to lift him out of bed and clean the shit off the bed. So I could see why these people were addicts. And I said, what the fuck happened to me? Why am I? I had a great choice. I'm really happy. Now, I hadn't, I didn't, wasn't conscious of this 
abuse at this point, right? Yeah. This is weird, right? So I came home from the Rutland Centre. Now you have to understand, right? I'm in this big rock band. All my sisters are coming to me every second. I can have an autograph on my early on my class. Da, 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 da. They went from that to going into school one day and our brother was the biggest financial uh, a financier of heroin on the north side of Dublin. So I kind of went into the Rutland Centre and I came out and I was trying to apologise to my parents for being an addict, right? And I said to my dad, I remember, never forget it was a Sunday, and I said, that could be something that happened to me as a kid or something, right? And he looked at me as if to say, are you saying I didn't hug you enough as a kid? And I remember thinking, oh man, I'm making it worse. I didn't yeah, mean it that way, yeah, right? Yeah. So I left the house, right, Joe, you know, and I walked out into the hall door, and I swear to God, I can remember the incident, the, the, the abuse now, with the clarity of you filling the, tent, the, the water thing, this thing a few minutes ago in the kitchen. That's how I can remember it to the... Did, did you see somebody? Or, or? He lived next door to me. I walked out my mother's door. All right. And the minute I walked out the door, right. and I'm sitting in the car, right? And I go, fuck, I'm after making it worse. What did they say that to me out for? No, yeah. please. And then just bit it down, like a video fucking reel on it. Oh, swear right, to okay. God. And it all started coming back to me. <laughs> <laughs> Can we catch you? Is that in the end? No, but this is all I'm uh, telling yeah, you that yeah, as no, a person. Yeah, yeah. You know? tell, tell me a little more <coughs> about, I mean, the, the, apart from that happening in the childhood, between the years of six, nine, and, and that, you had a good childhood. It was a good... This is what I'm saying to you, Joe. Tell me how many kids were in <coughs> the family, too. There's eight in the family, right? All eight right. kids. There's a, I have a sister, Brenda, who's my eldest, eldest. They're nine second. Right. Then I've got a sister under me, you know, then a brother, then a, it's like a stairway all the way down. Right. There's eight of us, you know. It's the bad. I was the eldest brother, so I was the one that had to do all the going out and fighting as opposed to me having somebody to go on. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, uh, that was my gig in the gaff, you know? Yeah. So, and as well as that, you know, because <coughs> money was tight and stuff, you know, when we were kind of able to feed ourselves, my mother had other kids to be looking after, so you're kind of, you know, the way big yeah, families yeah, were, I don't yeah. know. You know, so that's the way. But when, you didn't feel neglected. No, because when I was in the rut now, when I was in the rut in centre and I was looking at all these people having these horrific childhoods, I was thinking, holy shit, man, I had a brilliant, yeah, happy yeah, childhood. Yeah, like, yeah. I was mad into boards, right, breeding yeah. boards. And I remember my dad coming home on a Saturday, having worked, like, say, from 7 till kind of 10 every night. And Saturday, he'd walk till 3 in the afternoon. He'd come home and help me build an aviary out the back yeah. in a few hours. And things like that. And... Like to me, that's they're all lovely memories I have, and I've had a great childhood. Me out was always they used to bring me to Bride Street Market. There used to be a market yeah, in Bride Street, yeah, yeah. a yeah. board market every Sunday morning, you know. So all these things, you know. So the only rupture was your man. <coughs> I would that consider I had a brilliant childhood apart from that one incident, that, that that particular aspect. And how how did you for anyone who <coughs> failed this kind of? Remember you were saying even when I first got into it with Catherine, I'm saying you're not a queer, you're not a queer, you're not a queer. Yeah. And apart from the little excursion with that guy in the loo later. How did you kind of reroute your sexuality and say, I'm, uh, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable not. with this, I'm comfortable with myself and my body? Well, you know? to be quite honest with you, Joe, it's not like, you know, it's not, I'm not as healthy as in that aspect as I should be, I think. Do you know, All to right. this day, I'll never be, I don't know if I'll ever be, but I, at this moment, I'm still not 100%. But I do feel, I, I'm 99%, let's All right. say. All right. I feel, because, you know, in the band and that, you know, there was stuff happening, you know. And you can't say, I know, and you don't, you don't in the book either. Yeah. You know, if you, everyone else is in the sweet shop in the book, but Christy's out fucking looking at the board shop, mm. the Avery shop. 
And you realised from you didn't realise the first time you saw her, but you realised the next time round when you met her, she was the one. Yeah. Didn't you? Yeah, I did, yeah. You know, I know it's weird, but I kissed her, you know. And I remember the first kiss. To this day I still remember. You know, and Why just go just go to the pictures or something? Oh, we just hang out on the road, you know. Oh, right. It was kind of on the cut street, on the corner of the... Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, we obviously ended up going to pictures yeah, and stuff, you know. Yeah, But, but the first remember, kiss was on the street. Yeah, it was on the street corner, kind of thing. Did she kiss you too, or did you, were you fucking do that? I, I kissed, we kissed each other, right? But, like, we were kind of standing at the corner talking for hours, and after an hour and a half, the arm went around the shoulder. You know what I did? Progressive. But it was the first open-mouthed kiss I got, and that's oh, what blew right. me about it, you know. And I remember after asking her, how did you learn to kiss? And she didn't, you know, she was just chancing around. <laughs> you know, she tells me. <laughs> she tells you, yeah, yeah, you have to check that one out. Actually, yeah. the first French kiss and all that can be kind of mind-blower, can't oh, it? Brilliant. But um, uh, that stuff, when she was now, I mean, you've just said what you're actually doing on the road now. But how did Catherine cope when the later, when you were touring with Aslan? And she's raising the kid on her own. I mean, was it a time of supreme loneliness for her, or were you? <laughs> did you do your best to come back and, and be I, there I, for did, her? I did come back as much as I could. And when I, when we weren't away, I was at home all the time. You know, right. like even you know, if you even kind of went around asking now the likes of Richie Taylor and stuff, when all that pink elephant stuff was going on, I wasn't really. I was. Right. I didn't partake of that bullshit. To me, that was all crap. You know. So right. I used to try and make up for it by being at home as much as I could when I was at home, you know. And when um, you were away touring, whatever about the attractions or distractions there, were you ever afraid she might fall in love with somebody else? Of course you were was, yeah. Which is, everyone talks about him being over there oh, doing absolutely this. absolutely, no. But the other question is, she's neglected, she's lonely, it's Friday night, maybe she'll go down to the local yeah. pub and some guy will fucking so get out. I'm pregnant, but yeah. you know, get out on Saturday night. Yeah. No. <laughs> Of course I did, and with my kind, I suppose with my esteem being where it was, it was nearly expected. I nearly expected it, you know. To come back and find she'd yeah. fallen for somebody else. Absolutely, that's absolutely. Nobody ever said that to me, but that is absolutely true. That was always a big fear I had, you know. But we kind of like there's asking about how lonely it was for her. I was saying we got that cottage in in the country, like she moved back into Dublin to be near folk or folks. And yeah, stuff. because she was living out in that cottage on her own. Yeah, I thought. And was know. this was what was it like around it? Was there a house real close and a house no, real no, close? No, no, it was in the middle of nowhere, you know. So one day, uh, right. and you just had how many children have you now? Two, is there? No, I've only one. You've only the one. So she had a very young baby. Yeah, she had that cancer. Well, I was, it, it, at that time, she had cervical cancer. Oh, right, okay. She was away touring in America, and you know she had to go to the hospital to get. Uh, and you couldn't come home for that. No, she didn't tell me. Oh, did you know? Because no. she didn't want to. She thought she didn't know enough to deal with and stuff. She's a very strong woman, you know. She's an amazing woman. So when did you find out about that? When you came home. Yeah. And did you find out it had been given the clear, or was there a period of let's yeah, check? A period of let's, you know, you know, even now she still has to go back every so often. Yes, and get, yeah, yeah, get, get yeah. checked up. But she got that laser thing going. But I only found out after 
you know, I knew she was having a kind of woman problems the way that's yeah. how we would have looked. What year would that have been? When was that then? 88? When things were really taken mm. off. Okay, so there's always another side to every story, isn't there? Yeah. You know? So you were, you were having that and you were checking out all the gear now in America. Yeah. And she was home here checking out her. Yeah. And she was going through all the crap that I was giving her with the drugs thing, plus her own health, you know, and stuff. And that's what I'm saying. If I look at how, I don't know how the fuck she put up with me. I really don't, you know. And there wasn't, it wasn't like you came back at any stage and could promise her, look, I'm going to sort it. Oh, listen. Said it a thousand times, Joe. Yeah. yeah. A thousand yeah. times. Like, you can even this, right? When we were starting off, I told her, we were living off four wages. When I gave her the job in the pay in, in Telecom Air, I said, look, we live off your wages and, you know, it's all for probably tomorrow kind of thing, right? So I was coming home to her saying, look, we've got the big deal. Da, 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 da. A few more months, you get to leave your job. But, right, I had to drive home one day. I said, listen, Catherine, you know the dream that we just about, it's gone. I'm out of the band, you fucking oh, second. Because yeah, yeah. that was one of your own dreams, wasn't it? To be able to tell her, yeah. you can give up the work. I'm going to take yeah. care of you. We're all right now forever. Yeah. And that killed me having to the mom that day. The baby stood up when I sacked out of Aslan. That day, coming home and having to tell her that, because I'd be telling that, you know, it's getting close. But in the years when it was working for you and Aslan and before they fucked you out, mm-hmm. you, were, you were making more than 80 quid, obviously. And you, mm-hmm. Even when the albums and all the first album and that was selling. We have never, ever made money out of an album. So you were on that basic rate. Mm-hmm. So she was probably getting more than you. Yeah, she was, yeah. So you never got to the stage of being able to provide for her. I mean, no, you got to start making money. When Aslan split up, I went on it. I released a single called oh, yeah. Chasing Shadows the yeah. one man stream and did yeah. a tour. That's the first time I ever made money in the music. Who'd you do that tour with? I was just on the own. I got a few oh, yeah, okay. session music. And that's the first time you pulled in money? First time I ever made money. I remember at the end of the tour, it was about a three or four month tour, there was 14 grand I made and I swear to God it was like winning the lot. I couldn't believe that amount of money. And has Catherine worked right through all those years then? Yeah, and, still and she's still working? Yeah. All right, okay. So the money only came in at that stage, which was pretty late in the yeah. late in the game. Mm-hmm. But then the other side of it is that a lot of the money you were making, you were spending on drugs. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I know you're not in the fucking Bay City Roller territory. I don't believe you spent yeah. four million, but I'd say you spent. What I was doing, yeah. Always spent a lot of money. Yeah, well, the image you gave me of robbing the money from under your granny's something—that's mm-hmm. a need for cash. Yeah. And a need for quick cash. Yeah, but the thing is, you know. There's days you need 40 quid, there's other days you'd have 1,500 quid and spend it in a day, you know? On the junk? Mm. On whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because another thing is, you're buying everybody gear, you know? Hi, Joe Jackson here again. I thank you for listening to this edition of the Joe Jackson Interviews podcast. And remember, if you want to read the article I wrote out of that chat with Christy, check joejacksoninterviewer.com.